Hi, this is Jeff Scurry, one of the podcast producers here at Kelly Dry. Today, I'm talking with Donnelly McDowell and Gonzalo Mon uh, here in our advertising privacy group about an issue that has been dominating the news along with COVID-19, and that's the issue of price gouging. So, guys, how do state price gouging issues typically arise? Thanks, Jeff. So we typically see price gouging issues arise during natural disasters affecting pretty specific geographic locations. So hurricanes, earthquakes, forest fires, and the like. Um, But the laws actually apply quite broadly whenever a state of emergency is declared. Um, Of course, we've never really experienced anything quite like what we're going through right now. Uh, Every state has declared a state of emergency, and supply chains are really fundamentally altered on so many levels, um, thus also potentially impacting the cost of goods. So we're really in new territory here um, in terms of where price gouging issues are arising. Okay. Do all states have price gouging laws? Are they basically the the same law? Let me take that one. Uh, Most, but not all states have price gouging laws. And even among those without laws on the books, a number have recently taken action to prevent price hikes uh, during the pandemic, either by the governor issuing a state directive or through some sort of proposed legislation. As far as the question about whether the laws are basically the same, the short answer is no. As is often the case, there are important wrinkles to to each of these. And the most important distinctions relate to scope, the definition of price gouging, and the applicable exemptions. Let's start with the scope. The laws generally apply consistently to any declared state of emergency in that state. Amidst the current pandemic, every state has declared a state of emergency triggering these laws. But state laws differ significantly in terms of the products they apply to. Some apply to very specific product categories like petroleum products, and others leave it up to the governor to declare products subject to the law when they declare the state of emergency. But most laws apply to broad product categories such as goods or consumer commodities necessary in connection with the emergency. Now, because the current pandemic has overhauled virtually every aspect of everyday life, determining what products are necessary is not an easy task. It entails some degree of subjectivity. Maryland's attorney general, for example, includes a list of goods and services it considers to be covered under the statute and lists food, beverages, cleaning products, pet food, delivery fees, uh, computers, batteries, internet, telephone services, video streaming, website hosting, and childcare, amongst others, was very comprehensive in that state. As far as the definition of price gouging, the laws also differ in how they define what constitutes prohibited practices. Some only prohibit price increases over a certain amount, typically 10 or 20 percent, compared to the price at the time the emergency was declared, and others prohibit any price increase of any kind. Of course, the next thing is what are the exemptions? And I'll, I'll turn that over to Donnelly. Thanks, Gonzalo. So on exemptions, most states have an exemption um, of some form that covers costs imposed by the supplier of the good. Um, so this would allow downstream suppliers and retailers to make up for costs passed on to them from others in the supply chain. But even those exemptions also vary in certain material respects. Uh, For example, California law provides that the price cannot represent more than 10% greater 
than the total cost to the seller plus the markup customarily applied in the ordinary course of business. Uh, other states like New York um, provide additional criteria, um, for example, that the documented cost increase must be outside of the seller's control. Um, and then some states add another layer of complexity, and those uh, provide that the laws apply to others in the supply chain, such as distributors and wholesalers. So there you have kind of an interesting and counterintuitive back and forth where you have um, this exemption saying that you can pass on costs to um, provided that they're, they're passed on to you from an upstream supplier, but then also having a law that suggests that it applies to the upstream supplier. Um, so at least in those states, it would appear that retailers and downstream suppliers have at least two options. Um, you could either push back, citing that the law applies to suppliers and distributors, or accept the price increase and then rely on the exemption to the extent that the increase can be passed on to the consumer. Um, and one important thing to keep in mind here is obviously documentation of this will be key in the event that there is an inquiry um, down the road. Um, so keep in mind um, to the extent that suppliers do say we're imposing this price increase, make sure to paper your file so you have that in your record in the event of an inquiry down the road. So what about federal laws? Anything to worry about there? So previous attempts at passing federal price gouging legislation has failed. Um, but, you know, a lot there's a lot of movement and um, bipartisan consensus building at this time. So right now there are four pieces of legislation um, proposed and pending before Congress. Um, and there's bipartisan support for them. So it's, it's certainly possible that they could be included in a future COVID-19 related spending bill. Um, so that's something to be on the lookout. Even if that doesn't happen, uh, two other important wrinkles to flag. Uh, President Trump has issued an executive order instructing agencies to enforce anti-hoarding provisions. Um, and that comes from the Defense Production Act and to monitor for price gouging of medical supplies in particular. Um, there's also been a call on the FTC for the FTC to monitor and enforce the FTC Act and um, competition acts to relative to price gouging. So specifically a March 17th letter um, from the House Energy and Commerce Committee urged the FTC to take action to protect consumers from price gouging and said that it's likely to pursue other means, including legislation. Um, so three of the four bills that I mentioned earlier that are presently pending in Congress would actually specifically allow for FTC enforcement, and some include concurrent enforcement authority with state attorneys general. Have states already started to enforce the laws during the pandemic? Yes. A number of states have made public statements warning companies against price gouging. Some seem to be actively soliciting evidence of violations, and some have actually initiated enforcement actions to prevent violations. For example, AGs in 32 states sent a letter to various online retail platforms like Amazon, eBay, Craigslist, and others, urging them to do more to crack down on price gouging. The letter calls for the platforms to do a number of things, including setting policies and enforcing restrictions on price gouging during emergencies, and to create and maintain a fair pricing page or portal where consumers can directly report problems. Some states are also making good on promises to investigate and enforce. For example, last week, the Florida Attorney General filed 59 investigative subpoenas 
to identify sellers as part of price gouging investigations. A number of other states are reporting a huge surge in price gouging complaints and are pledging to take appropriate action. What are the penalties for price gouging? Sure. So the civil penalties generally range from $99 to up to $250,000 per violation. Um, the high end of that applies in Texas if a consumer who is impacted is at least 65 years old. Uh, some states also have criminal penalties for violations. And if you look at the proposed pending federal legislation, uh, at least one of the bills would allow for civil penalties up to 10 times uh, the profits um, and um, also includes criminal penalties up to 500 million. Um, so clearly pretty high numbers there. And then there's also the issue of reputational harm to consider, uh, particularly for national retailers, even if one of the exemptions we discussed earlier applies. So for example, um, an increase passed on from an upstream supplier, such that you're on decent legal footing, um, you know, if it's significant enough to result in consumer complaints, it may be picked up by the media. And then you have the issue of reputational harm to consider also. So what are the takeaways for companies trying to navigate these laws? So the short answer is that, you know, it's a complex uh, regulatory regime with overlapping considerations. And any price increase in a good or service during this time uh, could be considered essential, and um, you know that needs to be vetted through legal. Yeah, and if, if your company is considering a price increase under one of the exemptions that Donnelly mentioned, be sure to request and maintain documentation to support that the price increase is acceptable. Unfortunately, there really isn't a one-size-fits-all answer, and given the variations in by state, you're going to likely have to do a state-by-state analysis. If anybody listening to this podcast has any questions, you can contact me or you can contact Donnelly. You can also find more about this topic and other related topics on our blog at www.adlawaccess.com, as well as on our Privacy and Advertising Resource Center. All right. Thank you, guys. It was great talking with you, and we'll hear, talk to you again soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.